You're listening to Season 3, Episode 4 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out adventurous ways to make life more interesting. From China Springs, Texas, I'm your host, Michael DeRosiers, <laughs> joined as always by my co-host, James Barrett from Dallas, Texas. That's right, James. I'm on my spring break, y'all. Mm-hmm. Got the house to myself, my wife's not here, and I can drink as much <laughs> beer as I want anytime. Sit in the hot tub drinking beer. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Right, James. Today, we are going to be talking about an adventure, a little micro-adventure mm-hmm. that you and I went on recently. James, before we start our main topic, I have to ask you, have you done anything new or adventurous this week besides the micro-adventure that we're going to get into? Ooh, besides the micro-adventure. The micro-adventure counts because that was something yeah. adventurous that we did. I think that's kind of it. All right, James, for me. you get that one. You get a freebie because yes. we did something. You, you did a lot more in the last few weeks than I did. Well, I had a stupid flight back home. I'm in the U.S. now. I'm visiting my family, and I had a ridiculous flight because I was trying to save money. So here's my story, James. I flew from Bangkok to Muscat, Oman. Had a 10-hour layover there. I didn't get to leave the airport. I really wanted to, but for a couple of reasons, I just didn't end up being able to. It didn't quite work out right. Uh, Great airport. I had a falafel wrap. It was really delicious. Then I flew on to Dubai. I arrived late at night, but I had two nights in Dubai at a hotel. I want to explain something. Years ago, one of the very first times I ever left the country, I had a layover in Dubai. I was not a world traveler. I was so excited to be somewhere new. I ran through customs. I got a stamp, immediately turned around, came back in. And ever since then, I've counted myself as having visited the Emirates. Now I'm older and wiser, and I've always felt kind of guilty about that on my number of countries I've visited. So this was my chance to actually spend time. My new rule is, if I don't actually do something in that country, it doesn't Mm -hmm. count. Transits don't count. This time I did something. I had two nights, and I wanted to make the most of it. I'm not usually one for package tours, but I was there for such a short time that I signed up for two just to maximize the stuff that I could do. Because sometimes it's kind of hard to do stuff on your own, especially Mm -hmm. in a short time like that. I didn't do any of the new stuff. I didn't do the fancy stuff. I didn't go to the the Burj Khalifa or any of those islands, those crazy islands that look like the world or anything like that. I did the old stuff. And there's not that much of it left in Dubai. Dubai is a stunningly modern city. But there are some areas that are preserved. So I did an old town walking tour, which is really fun. Met up a group of tourists in the morning, and we walked through some old historic houses that have been turned into house museums to learn about the traditional lifestyle of the people that used to live there. Of course, now they're all filthy rich, and they live in giant mansions and penthouses and whatnot. But uh, the people that used to live in this part of town have turned their houses into house museums. Had some great dates, some delicious Arabic coffee. That was really fun. Then we went through the silk market and the spice souk, which is the spice market, which was incredible. Our guide took some time to demonstrate these various spices. He would put them on little incense burners and we could smell the sandalwood and the frankincense and the menthol and all these crazy spices. Got to ride a riverboat, a wooden riverboat on the Dubai Creek. That was cool. Then we walked through the gold market. Uh, I'll put pictures to all of these things on the website. Yeah, definitely. Attemptadventure.com. Then I had just enough time to get back to my hotel, take a shower because it's really hot there and you want to take as many showers as possible and freshen up before I headed out into the desert. In the early afternoon, a guy picked me up in a big white Land Rover and we drove out about an hour into the Arabian desert where we donned traditional head coverings to keep the sun and the sand out of our faces. Then we went dune crashing. 
The guy put the pedal to the metal, and we drove absolutely as fast as that vehicle could go over the dunes. It was like a roller coaster. It was really scary, but also really fun. Mm-hmm. Parked on the top of a dune, and he got like a, looked like a snowboard out, which we got to sit on and slide down the sand, which was a blast. Problem was, it's really hard to climb the dunes in the Arabian Desert, James. This thing was probably <laughs> 20 feet or 30 feet tall, and it was really hard because every step you would sink to about mid-calf. So... It was one of those things that, like, after we all did it, he was like, anyone want to go again? And nobody wanted to go again because we all felt exhausted by the time we got to the top. And the evening ended with a great buffet of delicious Arabic food and some cultural shows, including a whirling dervish, a fire breather, and a belly dancer. But the trip didn't end there, James. Then I had to fly to Jordan, and then I had to fly, finally, on my long flight to Chicago O'Hare. Everything had been going great. You were planning to pick me up at DFW Airport and drive me down to Waco, Texas, Mm -hmm. and I was really excited because everything had been perfectly on time. I stepped off the plane in Chicago, I connected to the Wi-Fi, and I got a text from you that said, sorry to hear about the delay, and I was like, (laughs) "What, what, what delay, James? What are you talking about? And uh, sure enough, I had been delayed five hours. So everything had been going really good until it was time to encounter uh, the U.S. uh, transportation industry, in which case everything started going really bad. But eventually I got in. They did misplace my bag. Thanks, America. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) thanks, Obama. Thanks, American Airlines. Shout them out. Mm. Um, But we got it. And then you and I had to drive through a vicious rainstorm finally arriving at my parents' house around 2 or 3 a.m. Quite a long day. But that's what I did this week, James. And I know you know that because you were there for half of it. I was. uh, (laughs) It was was an adventure. I guess I've never done that either, so that counts too. Well, that's true. I'm back in the U.S. and we'll probably do a couple episodes here in the meantime. Mm -hmm. We have created some videos that will be going up on our YouTube channel. I actually want to shout out the fact that we have created a second YouTube channel now for convenience. So if you go to youtube.com at Attempt Adventure Podcast, you will find all of our podcast episodes uploaded as videos. And if you go to youtube.com at Attempt Adventure, you will find our vlogs, our geography games, our videos, our bonus content, everything that's Mm -hmm. not just a static image in the podcast audio. So we've separated it and it should be a lot easier to find our other content. So please go and like and subscribe. I will share links to all that in the show notes as well. After we got back to Waco, you stayed a couple days, and we had some adventures of our own. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so I've actually been down there twice already. The first time, we... see, what did we do the first time? Well, I was jet-lagged. Yeah. So (laughs) we didn't do a lot. We grilled some chicken. We did. (laughs) Grilling some chicken, drank some beer, and then just kind of hung out the first time. The second time I came down, you got me interested in film photography. Yes. And... I like, hey, I think I can get a camera. And so I did. And so when I came back the second time, we decided we were going to go on a photo walk. And we were going to go to downtown Waco or wherever and just take some pictures. You found a really cool camera. You, you found an old heirloom. <laughs> yeah. 1985. <laughs> old. Well, it's a really cool Minolta. It is a cool Minolta. I filmed our photo walk, and I filmed you kind of giving an overview of your camera. That Mm -hmm. episode of our vlogs, or whatever we want to call it, will come out with this, but you don't get to see the pictures yet, because I'm going to get them developed when I'm back in Bangkok. So there will be a second video where we look at our pictures. But you can Mm -hmm. see our cameras, and you can see our photo walk on the YouTube channel. Yeah, the first place we went was Lake Waco. It was a very kind of dreary, foggy morning. And, you know, 
who knows? They might be awesome. Might be terrible. Yeah. It was real spooky, wasn't it? It was kind of spooky. It would have been real spooky if not for the RV guy blasting the radio. True. It kind of lowers it a little. And then we went to downtown Waco, got some coffee. Yep. Shout out to Dichotomy. Great cafe. Mm-hmm. Love it. We went to the oldest, second oldest, oldest suspension bridge. It's the oldest suspension bridge in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's one of the oldest that is still standing in the United States. So it's the Waco Suspension Bridge. And if you're a college student, what you do is you go up on the suspension bridge and you throw tortillas off of it, like Frisbees. And the ducks probably like it. I'm sure they do. Yeah, and so we did that. Unfortunately, the bridge was closed, so we weren't able to go onto it and get pictures. But a nice walk along the river and wonderful time. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm very excited to see how our pictures came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the delayed gratification of it. Yes. And who knows? They might not turn out. We have no, no idea. That's the fun of it, right? That's the fun of photography. <laughs> You're here for a whole nother month. Yes. And then you got to get back and get it developed. <laughs> so you guys aren't going to see our pictures for a while. <laughs> and the reason we're doing that is it's way cheaper to get it developed in Bangkok yes. than it is here. Very much. It costs $3 for a roll, to develop a roll of black and white film and uh, $5 for a roll of color. So I think here it costs like 15 <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Or something crazy. Now, I want to say, first of all, I'm not a photographer. I love film cameras. I love film photography, and I take film pictures when I travel, but I'm not a great photographer. I'm very much a hobbyist. So, James, like, why did we do this? Why is this an adventure? And what is sort of the point of doing these things like this, these micro-adventures? You know, for me, it was very much sort of taking time to really look at what's around me. Mm -hmm. Some people will say... You need to just enjoy the moment. And part of me agrees with that. But I feel that is more off of like cell phones. Right. I I do want to say there's a big difference because if we weren't on a photo walk, we would not have gone to Lake Waco and we would not have walked down along the river. We did those things specifically because we were looking for places to take pictures. Mm -hmm. It's a bit different if you're traveling and you're like filming everything or or whatever. But, But at the same time, I, I do think there's something to be said for that as well for preserving your memories. But we were specifically going out and discovering these places because we were taking pictures. They were not just Mm -hmm. places that we were going to be otherwise. I would have never walked down underneath the bridge (laughs) just for fun. No, there's (laughs) no reason to. And I think for me, the difference is like with cell phone cameras, I'm really bad about taking pictures. Mm -hmm. But with an actual camera, it doesn't take away from it to me. Right. And that's not to say there's not a place because... Camera phones are amazing and use them as much as you can. But for me, it helps me still capture that memory that I wouldn't have done with my phone and not feel like I'm missing out on something. It's more intentional as well. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about film photography. It is very intentional. You have to be specifically trying to capture a moment. You can't just take a million of them. You're limited to however many is on your roll, you know, 24 exposures, or if you buy a roll of five below film, eight exposures, which don't even seem to work in your camera. <laughs> and your, they work great in my camera. Your camera's too fancy. Yeah. <laughs> I shoot a, a 1999 Canon Rebel 2000. Yeah. It was very much a micro adventure. And what I liked about it was, again, it had us going places and doing things specifically to be on a micro-adventure. This was not an incidental thing. This was something that we had thought about and planned to do and went out and did. And it took us to places otherwise we wouldn't have gone. And it made that day a little bit more interesting, which is kind of Mm -hmm. the crux of this podcast, right? Definitely. 
you know, there's been a resurgence in not only film photography amongst casual people, but in just camera photography. And I think part of that is that, you know, cell phones with their cameras and their cameras are amazing now, but there's a million other things on it. Mm-hmm. A camera is, you know, like you said, very intentional, very personal. You're, you're intentionally trying to do this thing right. without any distractions, without anything else. So if you haven't tried it, I recommend it. Yeah, I mean, you can buy a cheap camera online. Everybody wants these cool retro-looking vintage cameras from the 60s and 70s. But like my Canon Rebel, it looks like a modern DSLR, even though it's a film camera. It looks too modern that the hipsters don't want a camera like this. You can pick it up for 20, 30 bucks. Same with my Minolta, even. My Minolta yeah. um, Maxim 7000. It's got all the modern features. It's got autofocus. It's got all these other things. And it still kind of has that vintage look. Mm-hmm. More but, than mine does. For yeah, sure. it's like 25 bucks. Yeah. But also, you can buy a point-and-shoot camera. You can buy mm-hmm. a point-and-shoot for $10, $15 online. And they still work great. And it still gives you that intentional... Mm -hmm. sort of focus that you want to use when you're on a photo walk. And again, I'm not a photographer, right? I'm not trying to act like I'm some expert in this. I do this because it sends me on adventures. It gives me an adventure. And I think it's important to do these kind of micro things. We were inspired to start this podcast because of a philosophy that we had discovered from adventurer Alistair Humphreys all about micro adventures. Mm -hmm. And this is a micro adventure. So what are micro adventures to you, James? Because he has his philosophy. I think that we take that and we kind of expand that. Mm -hmm. How would you define micro adventuring? So to me, it would be doing anything that you wouldn't normally do. Anything. It could be as simple as trying a different grocery store. Yeah. Going to your local Asian market or Middle Eastern market or whatever. It could be walking underneath the bridge. (laughs) Yeah. Just anything that you wouldn't do on a normal day, mm-hmm. to me, is a micro-adventure. And maybe not even micro. Maybe it's macro. Could be just an adventure, yes. Yeah. I live with the philosophy of trying to add micro-adventures to my daily life. I think that's really important. Just going out, discovering new things, looking at the world differently. Cameras are mm-hmm. a great tool for doing that. But there are plenty of ways that you could fit in a micro-adventure. And one of my goals for this year is to go on a micro-adventure every single month. and uh, Or an adventure, <laughs> however you want to describe it. And so far, I've been doing pretty well with that. No, I'll join you on that. Okay, definitely. How did you feel after doing this micro-adventure? Oh, I felt great. You know, I felt like I had accomplished something. Right. And that's the point, I think, right? It mm-hmm. gets us a little bit out of our routine. And that is so important. Like it feels good. Yeah. So my question to you, James, my challenge to you is what kind of micro mm-hmm. adventures are you going to be trying to add into your daily life? Yeah. I'm looking into getting a little smaller camera. Yeah. I'm going to try and take a couple pictures every day. Like yesterday, my wife and I went on a walk around where we live and it was, it was great. Great. And I don't do that enough. Just sort of little things that help me be more present in whatever area that I'm in. Photography has been a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Birding has been a big one for me. Birding has been a great micro adventure. Just walking around the park and looking at cool birds. It's really fun. You get to have your life list. You get to check out all the birds that you have and and check them off your life list. It's been fantastic. It's a way to look at the world through a different perspective, through a different lens, as it were, in the case of photography. Or setting out with a goal like, like we talked about way back, trying every burger place in Bangkok. 
uh, oh, yeah. one a month. That's a great little micro adventure. How's that been going? Paper Butter has been fantastic. Jim's Burgers, classic. First date my wife and I ever went on was to Jim's Burgers. There's a couple other ones I've not been to yet. Daniel Tiger, T-H-A-I, fun name, uh, is also supposed to be one of the best. Haven't checked it out yet. And you know what? There's no, nothing replaces a, a burger. You know what? So, sometimes you just want... I don't I don't even really eat beef, right? Mm-mm. But sometimes you just want a hamburger. You know what I mean? It, yeah, I know. I get it. And quite honestly, they make really good pork burgers too. And mm-hmm. honestly, I love a chicken burger, right? Sometimes a chicken burger is really, really good. I'm not a hamburger purist. Either. I'm really not a, a purist about most things. I'm not either. I'm not a purist about burgers. I'm not a purist about pizza. Certainly not. <laughs> I'm not a purist about beer by any sense of the imagination. I drank one from our good friends at Martin House the other day. It was called Beers Beats Battlestar Galactica, and it was a spiced beet sour. How was it? It was great, because you know what, James? I love a sour. And most places don't make sours. Everyone's on this hoppy kick. Everyone's all about the IPAs. Martin House, to their absolute credit, embraces the sour. They do. The Salty Lady is kind of a sour. Not, It's not a true sour, but it's... It's it's a lactose sour, I think, technically, isn't it? Is it? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Fact check me on that. I don't know. But no, so been going to H-E-B. H-E-B is wonderful. I love H-E-B. You know what? Big C is fine in Bangkok, but the supermarkets here... There's a lot of things I really love about living in Thailand, but some there's a lot of things I miss about being back here as well. And the, the supermarkets, H-E-B and just Walmart. I like wander around with this like wide-eyed wonder. It's such a nostalgic <laughs> feeling going to a Walmart. I'm like, there's so much stuff. You were, we were at Walmart and you were just like, whoa. <laughs> you can buy anything in one you, place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where else can you go get deli meat and tires? And guns. It's a wonder. And, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things I really do miss is the uh, the supermarkets, especially like H-E-B. And in Waco, you actually can wander around H-E-B. The ones up here, since they're novelties still, they're as big as shopping malls. And like, there was one time I was going to go and I couldn't park. Like people were circling. At an H-E-B? Just at a grocery store? I mean, I mm-hmm. like H-E-B as much as the next guy. Don't get me wrong, but... It's like got a cult thing going on. That's weird. You know what? I think it's, it's normal here, though, because there's sort of the division, right? That Kroger mm-hmm. is North Texas. H-E-B is like Central Texas. And there very much is a division. Like, you don't get Kroger's down here. This is an interesting conversation <laughs> for our listeners. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of, we're talking about H-E-B. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about things in America that you miss mm-hmm. and things in America that you don't miss. You've lived abroad for 10 years now. Almost. Almost 10 years, and you have spent all the entirety of your adult life, for the most part, abroad. I'm interested to see or hear what are some things that we have here in the States that you don't have in Thailand that you miss, and things you don't, and vice versa. Things you have in Thailand that you miss here, that kind of thing. Right. So, you know, it is interesting to me because I kind of feel that I have two homes, right? This feels like home, just as much as Thailand does. I grew up in Texas. I didn't grow up in Waco necessarily or China Spring or wherever the heck I am right now, Um, but I did grow up in Texas. This is going to be very Texas specific because I haven't really Mm -hmm. lived outside of Texas. This is my Mm -hmm. home, really is. There are some things that when I'm back, I realize, man, I do really miss that. Number one is just the wide open spaces, just being able to see the sky at all times. In Thailand, there's always stuff around. There's tall buildings in Bangkok. If you're out of Bangkok, there's the jungle, there's trees. You're never just sort of in a field. You can never just like see the entire sky above you. It might seem like a small thing, 
But do you know what I'm saying? When you're in Thailand, yes. everything is closed in. There's always something above you. Even when you're mm-hmm. outside of the city, there's mountains or cliffs or you know karsts sticking out of the water. There's always something high, and that's beautiful and it's stunning. But there's something really just like every time I see it, I'm like, wow, right? It takes me by surprise a mm-hmm. little bit when I come back. Speaking of that, yeah, I know how you feel about it. How does your wife feel about it? I don't think she's as taken with it as I am. She definitely comments on it. She notices it for sure. You know, it's interesting because she has not been to a lot of the U.S. She's never really been to the famous places in the U.S., Mm -hmm. okay? She's been all over Texas, but we've been camping because we were here during COVID. We weren't really going to big cities. We've been to Austin. We've done the Capitol Tour. She's traveled all over Texas. She's traveled all over New Mexico, all over Oklahoma. But, like, I've never taken her to New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago or anything like that. Her impressions of the U.S. are very much Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, right? Which is a very distinct culture and a very distinct landscape. So for her, that's what she's seen. She's seen the big sky. (laughs) And that's her impression of the U.S., I'm quite sure. That's funny. Yeah. So I was wondering about that. I was wondering about the first time y'all like drove to New Mexico. I was like, oh boy. Well, the first time we drove to New Mexico, it was so funny because we were just, we started our drive and she's like, wow, look, a cactus. And like 10 hours later, she's like, I'm so sick of looking at the cactus that we see out there, the cacti. No, that's it. For, that's it for 10 hours. That's all you get. You were there, James. <laughs> I was. When we went to New Mexico and it rained and it was so rainy. And we're like, what the heck? We're in the desert. They get like 10 days of rain a year and it rained like the entire week we were there. It was yeah, really it dumb. <laughs> So what, what do we got next? The next one is one that we have talked about that I have been enjoying simply because I have not been able to. Good beer. In Thailand, mm. while there are craft beers, they're very small and very expensive. There's really three main beers, Sing Chong and Leo, and that's basically what you get. Here, especially in Texas, there is an immense variety of craft beers, of local Texas beers. One of my favorites that we had some uh, Shiner Ruby Redbird a grapefruit beer, really good. Just being able to go to the grocery store and see more than three options mm-hmm. is incredible. Any kind of flavor you want, any kind of kind of wacky, like we mentioned, like um, like our friends at Martin House, anything that they make is just always going to be strange and fun. Even if it's weird, like that pickle beer that they make. Mm-hmm. Which I think they made as like a limited time thing and people loved it. I don't. I'm not a fan. I'm not a big fan, but I don't like pickles that much. Your wife likes it. Yeah, she does. <laughs> I do like pickles, but pickle beer is just not my thing. Again, it's a sour, not my kind of sour. <laughs> I'm talking like a berry sour, not like a veggie sour. That's weird. A veggie sour. <laughs> um, but just the variety of beer, the options. I don't know if you quite realize it or notice it just because you're used to it. But when you live in a place that only has basically three options, I mean, yes, I can go to the grocery store and buy a craft beer and import. But just day to day at my 7-Eleven, that's what we've got. We've got three options, really. Next one is one I've not really had the opportunity to enjoy yet, and that Mm -hmm. is Tex-Mex. We do have Mexican food in Bangkok. You can get Tex-Mex in Bangkok, but it's never going to be as good as the -the hole-in-the-wall, tiny little family-owned, you know, Mexican restaurant where Abuelita is cooking in the back. You know, you just can't beat that. You know what I mean? Real Tex-Mex. Yeah, you really can't. It it doesn't even exist outside of Texas, much less. I mean, they have chains and they're fine, but... And there's other types of Mexican food as well, but they're not Mm -hmm. Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex is unique due to Texas's history, right? It's something Mm -hmm. different. It's very much related to that Northern Mexican cuisine. It, you know, dates back to when Texas was a part of Mexico. 
Uh, it's not what you'll find in California or any other border state. It's its own thing. On a similar note is barbecue. Just Texas barbecue. Um, those of you from outside of the U.S. might not know, every state has its own barbecue tradition. Texas barbecue is entirely different from Tennessee or Carolina barbecue, etc. One thing, just because I'm here in the springtime that I've realized I miss, are the wildflowers. The blue bonnets are in full oh, bloom yeah. right now, and I was delighted. You know, you don't see that very often. It's really cool. No, especially you live in a very, in a major city where you don't even, unless you go specifically to a place, there's not much grass. <laughs> True. Next up, James, Dr. Pepper. You can't find it in Thailand. Uh, due to my Waco connections, of course, I'm very fond of Dr. Pepper. Last year, I was in town and you and I went to the Dr. Pepper Museum. We did. Dr. Pepper, like most soft drinks, started as medicine, which is just weird how that works. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I put a bunch of herbs and sugar in some water. It's good Drink for it. you. It's good for you. Drink it. And the Dr. Pepper Museum is more just a history of the soft drink industry. It was the original factory yes. in downtown Waco. And so you get to see all the old bottles and all the old equipment. And there's like a well in there. It's kind of weird. Where they got the water from. <laughs> and you go through the whole thing, and it's actually a pretty interesting little museum. Mm -hmm. But at the end, you go to an old-timey soda shop. And they make you an, an old school Dr. Pepper with the syrup and the soda water. Yeah, it's delicious. Oh, so good. And you can get a float, which is what I did last year. Mm -hmm. For those of you who might not know what a float is, a float is just ice cream with soda on top. I graduated from Baylor University, Sikkim Bears. Every Tuesday, we had an event called Dr. Pepper Hour, which was a social hour where the students and the professors and the staff and just everyone kind of affiliated with Baylor could hang out and enjoy free Dr. Pepper floats. It was great. It was a very cool way to kind of meet your professors and just a social hangout session. Mm -hmm. It was always Tuesday afternoons. They made their floats a little bit different. They would blend them, but it was almost more like a shake. Michael, I have something to tell you. Yes. Whataburger sells a Dr. Pepper shake. Do they really? Mm -hmm. Whataburger, also something I miss from Texas. I don't eat it much, but I really enjoy it. If you're out for a night out on the town with your buddies, to me, and Whataburger's open 24 hours a day, there's nothing better at 3 a.m. than a Whataburger. Some people are IHOP people, some people are Waffle House people. I'm a Whataburger person. Remember freshman year, my roommate and I were in the same math class, and we would sometimes do all-nighters before our math test. We'd go to the library, we'd study till about 2 a.m., then we'd go out, we'd get something at Whataburger, then we'd go back to the dorm, we'd watch a few episodes of The Office, head back out to the library, study until around 7 a.m., take our exam at 8, get a C, and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> C's get degrees. You know what they say, A students work for C students, B students work for the government. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that what they say? Have you not heard that before? No. <laughs> That's what they say. That's funny. <laughs> Also, I'm not, I don't want to encourage you to not like get good grades in school, anybody that might still be in school, but you know. I did not graduate with a C average. No, I didn't either, but. But I got C's in math class. Oh, I got, yeah. <laughs> C's in math class entirely. I forget where, we, where, we, where this came from. Um, college. Dr. We're talking Pepper? about college, Dr. Pepper Hour. <laughs> let's see. Let's, go, let's do a couple more things. Okay. Okay. Kalachis. That's a very specific one. It is a very specific sort of Central Texas one. Great little meat pastries. Love them. That's a very specific, like, like a Czech region thing. Because, like, we don't have them up here. 
Yeah. And they don't exist down south, and they don't, that I know of, they, they don't exist in east or west. It's just a very central Austin, Waco. West. Kind of area. West yeah. kind of area. Not western Texas, the city of west, Mm-mm. which is hilariously in central Texas. Um, yeah, I don't. There was a few other things that I do appreciate. I was at the airport, and I had my layover, and there was a bit of camaraderie that I wouldn't have had in Thailand. Just talking mm-hmm. to random people in English. See, these people that I would never see again were all in the same situation, and you know nobody was really frustrated. Everyone was pretty chill about the whole thing. There was some camaraderie about being delayed together, and I thought, well, you know, people can be kind of cool. People can be kind of nice here. You know, the thing is... The stereotype of, like, the overly friendly American mm-hmm. is true. It is. For the most part. Like, we will talk to anybody. This differs a little from state to state and city to city. But overall, people in the United States are very friendly. And mm-hmm. and I think people from other cultures tend to think it's fake, but it's not. It's not, no. I read online that this is, comes from us being an immigrant country. The fact that maybe even if we couldn't speak the same language, we needed to be polite and we needed to smile and be friendly mm-hmm. to one another. Right. And show kindness to one another because we were all kind of in the same boat originally. Yeah. And I think if you're from a place that's not used to that, it can come off as very fake, but it's, it's not. Yeah. Things that I prefer about Thailand, since you asked, one thing is the mm. convenience stores. The fact that you can just oh, live yeah. out of a convenience store. There's really good like handmade food, toasty sandwiches, microwavable meals. You can sit at the counter, eat them right there, just like in Japan. Just you can get everything at a 7-Eleven and they're so much better just by there, there's no comparison. Between a convenience store in Thailand and a convenience store anywhere in the U.S. And I just don't, I just don't understand why it doesn't make sense. Imagine a road trip being able to stop at a like Thai style Seven Eleven. Oh man, the closest thing we got is Bucky's, which is like and that's a like a mega crazy mall. thing. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> that's one that I really miss. I mean, mm. obvi- the obvious things, right? The cost of living. We're not going to get right. into that. No, because then that gets into a whole like political conversation that we don't want to get into right now. No, the other stuff that I prefer about Thailand are that kind of th- stuff. The healthcare, the cost of living, mm-hmm. the transportation. They're very much like... Um, infrastructure socio- things. Infrastructure in general. Sociopolitical things, <laughs> which you can just imagine. And uh, you know, I think that it's important that you still consider both places home. Sure. I mean, this will always be my home. I'm not a Thai citizen. I'm a U.S. citizen. I have a U.S. passport. I have a U.S. mailing address. I, my family is here. I grew up here. I've lived here. It doesn't feel like I'm in a foreign country when I'm back here, you know? I think for like a day it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a weird adjustment uh, when I first get back. But then you just fall right back into it and you're good. I mean, there's things. It's hard to think off the top of my head what I prefer about Thailand. Um, it's those things. Yeah. Just the convenience, the ease of life. If my phone breaks, I can get it fixed for like five bucks. Who cares about the warranty, right? I pay $10 a month for unlimited phone, internet, data, Wi-Fi at home. Living, it's just so much nicer and more convenient and calmer. The service industry is much better. You don't have to tip. There's all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's those kind of things that America is just different than the rest of the world about that I just mm-hmm. like. It's the, it's the things everyone complains about. That makes sense. And, and I'm glad that you focused on the positive ones and not... Because this could have gotten really dark. Street food. Just the availability of street food. We don't have that here. Only a few cities have street food. Yeah. But even so, it's not like in Thailand. It's like, yeah, you can get a pretzel or like a hot dog or like, I'm not talking about like a taco truck or a food truck. That's not street food. I'm talking about like a lady that'll sit there with a walk and you just go up to her and you're like, I'll have a basil chicken and she'll just make it. Or you're like, I'll have a cashew chicken. Like she has no menu. She'll just cook whatever you ask her for. That is street food. You don't have that here. 
No, you don't. Uh, there's a degree of respect in Thailand that I appreciate. Mm. You know, it, it's very much um, more of a collectivist society. So people tend to be more helpful to one another. And people tend to be more outwardly respectful to one another, which is nice. Whether you're working in the service industry, like the service people in the service industry are much more respectful and the people dealing with the service industry are much more respectful to them as well. There's just a culture of respect that we don't really have mm -hmm. here due to our individualism in the US. That's one thing that I prefer over there. I was a teacher and I was treated so well. Teachers here are not treated well. You know, I was treated with incredible respect by students, by parents, just by society in general. Um, mm -hmm. That's one thing that I think we could learn a lot from. But I'm not going to get into the negative stuff, James. There's a lot that I do miss about the U.S. There's a lot that I prefer about Thailand. Those are some of the big ones. I'm sure I could think of a lot more. This is just off the top oh, yeah. of my head. And, you know, I think the important thing is to just, is that you still understand that the reasons why they're different. Exactly. Like, it's it's not inherently that one is better than the other. It's just very different. Except for the healthcare. One is better than the other. That is true. <laughs> That's just us versus 90% of the rest of the world. But again, not going to get into that because that'll start a hour long rant about the US healthcare system. And this is not that show. That's for our unreleased show. Yes, Pints of Order. That was just you and me complaining about politics. And it was very negative when we thought it was we really bad. to subject the world to this. <laughs> it was bad. It was just us complaining yeah, for like an like, hour at a time. We recorded like two or three episodes, and it was just not fun. It was just three hours of us being negative, complaining. It wasn't great. <laughs> no, but it was needed for us. We had to vent. So that, you'll never hear that. That will never grace your ears. <laughs> no. Sorry, everybody. Obviously, you miss things like friends and family. Well, yes. But, yeah, but that's the given. Like, here in Texas, I miss my wife. Like, obviously. Right. I'm, yeah. Duh. But, of course, there's always a degree of culture shock going both ways, right? There's culture shock and there's reverse culture shock. Like, walking around the airport, you're like, man, why is everyone in America dressed so badly? Like, people in Thailand are far more fashionable. <laughs> it's just a little thing. You're just like, why are people wearing, like, their pajamas at the airport? That's weird. Because the U.S. US airports suck and you might as well be comfortable. No, I know. I know. It's just funny. You're right. At first, you're just like, what? What's going on here? Uh, or, like, American teenagers are so loud. Thai teenagers are really quiet. That part's just true. Little things, but it's interesting. You know, and it's interesting and it gives you this sort of outside perspective. And mm -hmm. that's one thing that you can develop when you're living abroad, too, I think. And it's, it's valuable. Yeah, definitely. It's time to move on to our favorite segment. Adventures in the news. This week, it's my turn, James. The other day, not as part of a recording or anything, just in real life, you and I were having a conversation about some of the coldest places in the world. Mm -hmm. I found an article that came out today from the Siberian Times. The world's coldest marathon has been completed in Yakutia, and the winner was Vasily Lukin, who ran the entire marathon in 3 hours and 22 minutes. James, this marathon was 53 degrees centigrade below zero, which is minus 63.4 degrees Fahrenheit. So imagine, first of all, have you ever tried to run in the cold? Your lungs just burn, just just breathing cold air in general, oh, your yeah, lungs just hurts. burn. Imagine running a marathon, which I can't do anyway. Imagine doing it in 3 hours and 22 minutes, which again... I can't even do a marathon in general, so forget about it. And now imagine doing it in minus 53C. You got to keep running. You finish so fast because you keep. You got to keep warm. There were 65 runners. One of them came from the UAE where it gets up to 50 degrees centigrade in the summer. Imagine going from like 
the the Emirates to somewhere where it's minus fifty three degrees. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I want to share you some of the pictures. Have a look oh, at yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at these guys. They look miserable. A marathon can be an adventure. It's not my type of adventure. But again, adventure is relative, as we have talked about before. They're just frozen solid. USA, Belarus. I mean, that is definitely a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not something I would be interested in doing. I just, yeah. I don't like running. No. But that's definitely something that you can say you did. And that's probably type two fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine anyone actively enjoying that. No. Maybe if you're like from there and you're like, ah, wonderful. Even so. Remember what we read online and just said people just stay inside all the time in the winter. I would. Even the people from there, I don't think, enjoy that. It's not enjoyable. No one steps outside and goes, ah, 53 degrees below zero. What a beautiful day. Like, no, because you'll, <laughs> you'll like die. <laughs> yeah. like if you go out like without the proper clothes, you'll just die eventually. Yep. Not even eventually, in like 10 minutes. At what temperature does blood freeze? <laughs> Don't Google that. Don't put that on your Google search. Imagine running in all of the gear you need to stay warm, too. So it's already heavy. Nah, that's funny. So, guys, thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe. Consider giving us a review on your podcast app of choice. We really appreciate it. You can find us on social media. We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. You can support the show at ko-fi.com slash attemptadventure. And you can find us on Twitter. We're not that active, but it's uh, attemptpod. All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you back here in two weeks from now. And until then, keep adventuring.